Good morning and welcome to another episode of Standing Outside the Fire. My name is Matt and I'd like to welcome back those of you who have been listening and welcome to the first time for those of you who are first time listeners. Today we're going to discuss leadership and what leadership looks like, what leadership is, what leadership isn't, and why it's so important to us in our everyday lives. Exactly. And I think we need to make some distinctions here. A leader, in my opinion, is somebody who makes positive change. Somebody who shows people how to do things, how to better themselves, how to make things better by example. A leader is somebody who can garner support and move forward in a in a positive way. And I know that's all very nebulous, but that's how I see leadership. Unfortunately, I have a better idea of what leadership is not than what leadership is. And I think a lot of us have that same experience. In fact, looking through responses to a, a face page request about what a leader is and what a leader is not, there are some people who had some very visceral responses. And it was obvious to me because they had bad experiences, I would guess. Unfortunately, one of the the people that responded, at least one of them, maybe two, were people that I supervised at one point. But that brings up a good point. Supervision and leadership are not the same thing. When you're a supervisor, your job is to ensure that a set of tasks or items are being completed by a certain individual, i.e. the subordinate. Supervision is you're making sure that they are completing the paperwork they need to, they are finishing the report, they are cleaning the truck, they are making sure the grocery aisle is stocked properly. That's supervision. Leadership and supervision are not one and the same thing. In fact, people confuse them all the time. You and I have both had supervisors who believe themselves to be leaders, but at the end of the day, they wouldn't have a box of chocolate-covered raisins follow them. And that's really what leadership requires is leadership requires followership. And it's not a supervisor-subordinate scenario. There are some leaders who I have met who have been younger than me, who do not have as much formal education as I, who don't have as much life experience as I. But none of that matters. It matters that they are able to garner that followership and then move forward in a positive direction. So let's think about who the good leaders are or who the good leaders have been in your life or what qualities do we see in good leaders?
Now we can undoubtedly learn a whole host of information if we were to look at the leaders of the past, military leaders, business leaders, social change leaders, but those books are already done. Those are out there available for you to read. I'm interested in our experiences with leadership and what we have found. And so I think a spot where I'd like to at least begin some of the discussion is from some of the responses that I got. And the question that I asked was fill in the blanks. Leadership is blank. Leadership is not blank. And so that was the the question I threw out there and and got several responses. One of the first uh, most immediate responses was in regards to inclusiveness and exclusiveness. And that was doubled up on later on, in fact. There were several people who talked about the fact that it's about including the people that you're leading, you know, your your followership, if you will. And I know that that sounds almost religious, but it's not meant to be. You know, you as a leader, you need to have people who are following you. Otherwise, you're you're not a leader. You're essentially just a a pied piper, as it were. Inclusion versus exclusion. Let's look at that for a minute. I think that a lot of people feel excluded by their supervisors. And remember, we made the distinction earlier. Leadership is not a membership to a country club where some people are allowed in and some people are excluded. It's not a place where the rich and mighty get to talk down to the lowly peasants who are working at the country club. And let me make an aside here about just people in general, and I'll link it back into the leadership side of things. But if you ever want to know about somebody's character and you really want to know about them, take them to a restaurant and see how they treat the help. The hostess or host, the waiters or waitresses, the busboys, if that's a proper term anymore, I don't know. Take them to somewhere where they have to interact or get to interact with the help. A hotel. I notice when people are walking down the hallway and they walk past the, the housekeepers and they say good morning or good afternoon or they say thank you. It doesn't take much. They might not be working on their room, but those are the people that make the world go around. And when you treat those people like shit, then you're going to treat everybody like shit because that is your mentality. Not any one of us on this earth is better or worse at the core than anyone else. And treating each other differently because of our monetary status, because of where we live, because of how big our house is, how many cars we have, how many kids we have, what kind of rings or clothes or jewelry or shoes or boots we wear. It's ludicrous. Get over yourselves. You're not that important. Now, all of that said, if you do live in Colorado you know, you're obviously inferior to those of us who live in Wyoming, but that may be another story for another time. And yes, I realized I lived in Colorado at one point. However, I, uh, that was before I sobered up. So, wow, that was, that was kind of cold, but, uh, that was my own expense. So, and it was at the expense of Coloradans, but I don't know, maybe I'll, maybe I'll edit that out. Maybe I'll keep it in there. Anyway, back to leadership. So leadership is, in some respects, talking about how we treat other people. If a leader is treating people like crap, you're not going to want to follow them. And that's where we get back into the supervisor idea. So let's for a minute take a look at why supervisors are so poorly looked upon sometimes, in some cases. And let's be clear here. 
you can be a supervisor and a leader at the same time. It's just a different subset of qualities and responsibilities and roles. My point is that just because you are a supervisor does not mean that you are a leader. And I think people confuse those a lot, especially the, the bad supervisors and the bad leaders. And I think that's our gut reaction. Sometimes our bosses are assholes. And that's because they're being supervisors and they have no concept of, of what it looks like to be a, a good leader. So the first thing that pops into my mind about poor leadership is passive-aggressive interaction with your subordinates. If you are a supervisor and you can't come out and tell your subordinates exactly what they need to hear, exactly what your expectations are, exactly what they're doing wrong or doing right, then that rolls you into this passive-aggressive mode where you end up bitching about me to another employee in the hopes that it comes back to me and I change my behavior. That's chicken shit. And you see it all the time. And the other irony of that is that if I am the one who is in that discussion and that supervisor is bitching at me about a lot of other people, isn't it pretty arrogant of me to think that that supervisor isn't doing the same exact thing to me? Well, of course he is, or of course she is. That's just a character flaw. That's how they handle life, that passive-aggressive nature. And of course, if I do something wrong, they're going to bitch to somebody else about it because they don't have the cojones to come up directly to any one of us and say, you're doing it wrong. Fix it. Figure it out. Conflict and managing conflict and dealing with conflict is a lost art in most cases. And what you'll find is that your good leaders are able to address conflict head-on directly and deal with people even though it means an uncomfortable situation they're still willing to deal with it head-on and that passive aggressive nature is not even in their in their thought process I will go out on a limb and say this if you handle situations in a passive aggressive nature you will not be able to be a good leader until you fix that period full stop you cannot be a good leader or a good supervisor for that matter and have passive-aggressive be your nature, plain and simple. Two other interesting concepts came out of the discussion that I had on the page. The first one was a discussion about whether leadership can be taught or if it's inherent in somebody, if it's born in. We think about leaders like Teddy Roosevelt or Rosa Parks or JFK or even Hitler. And we look at what about them made them good leaders. And I know I talked about not going back into history and I won't dive into it too much. But the question is, were they born leaders? Or were they taught? And many of the responses that we had on, on the face page deal was about it's learned. It can be learned. Yes, there might be some innate ability, but it's innate ability to communicate well. It's an innate ability to relate to people. Those aren't formed initially as being a leader out of the womb. It's Those are skills that are, are built and taught. And in fact, over a lifetime, 
we continue to develop and hone our leadership skills. It's not as though somebody is blessed as a leader and then that's it for them. They have to continually change and adapt and work within the the parameters that are given for them if only to continue to be able to engage with their their followers which is uh, I know that term is is off-putting and I agree but there's there's not another way to really talk about it easily but you understand what I'm what I'm getting at the other piece that was discussed is about giving your knowledge away being transparent sharing the knowledge that you have leading by example all of those pieces and leading by example simple look uh, don't ask anybody to do something that you haven't done or would be willing to do now this is also an area where new leaders get hung up pretty quickly and I've dealt with several of these leaders they get promoted from one role to another right and they change their supervisory role so it becomes a, a bigger sphere of influence as they move up in the chain but if they are going to maintain their leadership commensurate with their supervisory skills what they need to do is they need to recognize that they can't continue to be hands-on all of the time every step you take up in the the chain of command means that you take a step away from the hands-on portion and you have to let your people do their work and if they're not doing their work correctly then you need to step in be a leader show them how you want things done and then turn around and walk away you have to provide them what's called leader's intent. You want to provide them the end result. This is what I want this to look like at the end of the day, at the end of the shift, at the end of the project. This is what I want. That's leader's intent. And then you have to be willing to turn around, go back to your office, go back to your truck, go back to wherever it is you live in your little leadership shack and you have to let them do it and you have to let them do it their way unless you absolutely need it done your way otherwise you become oh god i'm gonna say it a micromanager and i have not met anybody on the face of this earth who has ever said to me you know matt we got this new boss i love her she's the best thing ever she comes in and she tells me exactly how to do my job every day she even told me listen to this listen the other day it was great she came in and she told me how to hold my pencil because I was holding it wrong isn't that amazing said nobody ever nobody likes that nobody does and so that's not part of, of a good leader a good leader is trusting your folks training them well first off training them well setting the expectation or the leaders intent providing them clear direction about what you want things to look like at the end of the shift day project whatever and then turning around and walking away now that doesn't mean you don't spot check you don't go check on them and make sure that it's do, being done correctly or it's on the right path at least but that's a fine dance if you're in their way too much you're a micromanager if you're not checking in on them you don't care so that's one of the difficulties or challenges of being a leader and you have to find that balance and that balance is going to change depending on the subordinates and the people that you're leading and it will change over time too project to project job to job task to task Remember when
Look, and here's the reality. If you were a leader, or even if you're just a supervisor who's looking to be a leader, it's a lot like being a parent. You have to realize your main goal cannot be being friends with your subordinates. Now, again, this is another fine line, another little dance you have to do. Because there's value in being personally connected to your subordinates. More on that in a minute. Where your responsibility is to be their supervisor. And hopefully a good leader for them. So pushing so hard to be their friend is counterproductive. Just as in if you spend all of your time as a parent wanting to be best friends with your kids, you end up being a really shitty parent because you're more interested in getting their approval and having them be happy with you than being responsible and teaching them right from wrong, which sometimes means saying no. And that's exactly what being a good leader is all about. Sometimes you have to say no. Sometimes you have to stand up, do what's right for the organization, for the company, for the business, and say directly to somebody's face, no, you cannot do that. You cannot have it your way. It is going to be this way. Here is why. And I expect you to follow my orders. Now, there are good ways to go about that. And there are not so good ways to go about that. But the problem with being friends with your subordinates is this. The majority of people in the United States have a very hard time distinguishing between a friendship relationship with their supervisors and a boss subordinate relationship. One common issue is when you see somebody get promoted out of a circle of friends who work together, you know, work work friends, there's animosity. There's jealousy. And that that's problematic. And so to counteract that jealousy and that difficulty, the newly promoted individual tries to maintain the same friendship and it's disastrous. Because lines are crossed, lines are blurred. For instance, I worked for uh, a guy that was a close friend of mine. So close, in fact, I was the best man in his wedding. And he and I had a strong outside relationship as we did a work relationship. And both of us, both of us, abused those relationships. And it wasn't always bad. You know, it, it was a mutually beneficial abuse of, of the, the either the friendship or the, the work relationship to be able to maneuver some of the difficulties of, of working together like that. But it was a two-way street. It was a back and forth. You know, he ended up be, becoming my boss, and the same thing held true. And it was only because the two of us were mature enough to know that we were being abused from time to time, you know, being taken advantage of. And I did it as much as he did it. And it was a give and take. And it was an unspoken scenario. The majority of people do not have the maturity to deal with a relationship like that. So here's what happens. For instance, a supervisor in an organization wants to be close to the boots on the ground. So he or she does things, pals around with with the subordinates, wants to spend time doing things the subordinates like to do on their downtime. The one one specific I can think of is you know, there was one leader who would always come and hang out at night with, with the boots on the ground. And uh, this was in, during 24-hour shifts. So 
he would always want to sit around and pal around and and that was the time when those those subordinates wanted to decompress and talk about the day and recap things and one of the things they did was complain about the supervisor you can't complain about the supervisor when the supervisor is sitting there and this individual didn't realize that and he wanted to be friends with everybody and he ended up being a very passive aggressive leader because he was so interested in what people thought of him that he wanted to have that that connection but along with that went exactly what I said earlier which is a passive aggressive nature he could not deal with conflict and he was always trying to counteract his nature of being overbearing and so it was just an absolute hot mess because when push came to shove people couldn't differentiate they would always go back and be like well hey man you know you were hanging out with us last night and you were joking around and palling around and telling crude jokes and now you're yelling at me and you're saying that i can't say what i said because it's construed as sexual harassment that's hypocrisy at its at its best and nobody likes a hypocritical supervisor a do as i say not as i do individual and then there were you know, these feeble attempts at, at leadership by example, but they were so twisted and construed that it just left people confused and frustrated and not knowing which way to go, not knowing what the right thing and the wrong thing to do were. So that was a great uh, experience for me because I got to see one more example of a supervisor who was trying so hard to be the best supervisor they could be that was holding on too tight and doing all of the the wrong things for the wrong reasons and ended up being a very ineffectual and frustrating supervisor and this happens time and time again those similar issues I've seen up until even recently in certain circles and when you see those repeated one of the things that I've been able to do as a as a supervisor and as a leader is take much of what I don't like in the leaders and supervisors I've worked with and for in the past and make sure that I don't do those. It's very similar to being a parent again. You know, there were things that I didn't agree with that my my parents did or didn't do. And I try my best to not do those things. Because let's be honest, no parent is ever perfect. And no leader or supervisor is ever perfect. But I'll tell you what goes a long way in both realms is this. When you make a mistake, you own it. When you make an error, you own it. Which means owning it publicly. Fixing it to the best of your ability. Making apologies as necessary. Which means doing better next time. If you make the same repeated mistakes over and over and over. And you tell your subordinates, don't worry, that won't happen again. And it happens two weeks later. What do you think they're going to believe? Are they going to believe your words? Hell no. They're going to believe your actions. And it's as simple as that. Unfortunately, being a leader, sometimes it's lonely at the top. You can't maintain those personal relationships you once had. You can't continue to be close friends with people unless they have the maturity to understand that work is work and play is play. And that the friendship relationship has to function outside the work relationship. And as best they can, they're not supposed to cross. Because who wants to hold one of their friends accountable in a significant way? Who wants to write one of their friends up? 
it's doable, but it is a unique and rare situation that that can work and remain effective for both individuals on both fronts, the work front and the friendship front. So I will agree with some of my coworkers who have indicated that leadership is a lifelong process, and that's absolutely true. You don't become a leader and remain a leader just by being a supervisor or being promoted. Leadership is something that requires constant work. It requires constant self-improvement, self-reflection, making yourself better through research and study and observation. It requires a 360 view of yourself and being completely and utterly honest and open with yourself about how you're doing, how you are being successful, how you are failing, and what you do with those failures. And the people around you will recognize both successes and failures in your leadership. And when you do make mistakes and you do fail, as I said earlier, you have to own them. If you whitewash them or sweep them under the rug, guess who's going to notice? Of course, your subordinates. Of course they're going to notice. They might not say anything, but they're going to notice. So that's something certainly to be mindful of. One final thought on leadership for today. Much of what I've talked about has been tools and tasks processes, procedures about how to be a good leader. And we've talked a little bit about being a good supervisor as well. We've also talked about examples of poor leadership and poor supervisory skills. One thing I have not said in any of this process is that leadership is only available to supervisors. One of the most important concepts of organizations, businesses, entities is that leadership from within the ranks is one of the most critical elements and one of the most important pieces that the higher-ups, the supervisors, can develop and support in their subordinate ranks. And this is what I mean. I call it leading up. And you may have heard that term before. If you can support decisions made by your subordinates, that help them grow as leaders, you are going to have a more robust, a more resilient organization. If you, as a subordinate at any level, can effectively lead up, that is, provide your supervisors input in a respectful, professional manner that might help lead them down a path that they were not heading down originally. Now that sounds an awful lot like manipulation, and to some extent it is. But instead of manipulation with its negative connotations, what we really look at is we look at influence. If you can influence your leaders to make, let me rephrase, if you can influence your supervisors to make more sound decisions, because remember, not all of us have all of the information at hand. If you have subject matter expert knowledge on a particular item, for instance, truck breaks down. The supervisor is not all that familiar with that truck, that process, and you have 20 years of experience as a diesel mechanic, 
that supervisor hopefully is looking to you for some input and advice. But if they don't, which is oftentimes what happens because supervisors don't want to be seen as weak or lacking knowledge, lead up. Uh, hey, Cap, the fuel filter on this type of diesel engine is usually problematic. Let's check that. Okay, what you've done is you've just made a statement, right? The other best way to do that in my book is ask questions. Hey, Captain, do you think we should check the, the fuel filter? Because I know those are an issue on this, this type of diesel engine. Perfect. What's, what's he or she going to say? No. In some cases, yes, they do say no. And uh, again, it's falling back to ego and not wanting to look weak. But if you can do that, anybody, anybody, underline, bold, exclamation point, exclamation point, in an organization or an agency can be a leader. It's not about being in a supervisory role. In fact, some of the best leaders are people who just walk in the door. Why? Because they have an untainted, unbiased perspective. That's why you don't run your rookies out. You don't tell your probationary firefighters or EMTs or police officers or dispatchers to shut their mouths and not say a word. That's foolish. It's foolhardy because you're missing a large wealth of knowledge. Now, it might not be knowledge in the subject matter that you're dealing with, but they still have backgrounds. They still have life experience. Now, that's going to differ between an 18-year-old and a 35-year-old. But still, uh, who do we all go to nowadays to fix our damn phones or our computers? That's right. We go to the 18 and 19 and 20-year-olds. Why? Because they have that experience and that knowledge. Why would you write that off? You can hate millennials all you want. The fact is, they come to us with a certain skill set that we don't have. Why wouldn't you utilize that? If you don't utilize that, you're just being a supervisor and a poor one at that. If you utilize everybody to the best of your abilities, you're being a good leader. And that's where I'll leave you for today. Thank you for sharing your time with me again. I look forward to having you back for our next episode. Thanks. (laughs) 